Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that pride themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley. Holy moly. Oh. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today... Writer for the Kings Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, happy Monday. Thanks, Will. I've added uh, 25 pounds of muscle, so it must be media day. <laughs> he's a uh, he's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. He is the true pride of French Lick himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you today. And just for your information, Tony, I'm exactly the same weight that I was when I came to Sacramento uh, 37 years ago. Of course, I didn't have I didn't have breasts then, but which I do now. But uh, so so there's that. Did you at least add a three point shot or something? Uh, Well, guys, it's uh, we meet on King's Media Day, officially marking the start of a new season. Uh, Training camp starts tomorrow. The hype has begun today. We've got some 30 questions uh, that we're going to go over like we did last time um, and some medium uh, media media day stuff to cover here at the end but uh as you know it uh we'll actually have basketball to discuss here the next time we talk so just to congratulate you both we have officially made it through another nba offseason congratulations jerry congratulations tony it was a it was a tough one it was a long slog through the desert and now we we finally have that tasty content that we that we so desperately craved all summer long well, we're, we're warriors and we proved it <laughs> once again. That's right. Uh, yeah, I would have said Kings only because, you know, the, the team that we're talking about, I'll take warriors today. I'll take, I'll take yeah. warriors closer to road warriors than anything, but we're yeah. Road warriors. <laughs> so, uh, so let's start with some of these uh, 30 cues before moving on to a little bit more relevant info today. Um, so we uh, obviously every year we, uh, during this downtime, we have uh, the writers at the Kings Herald write some, Really amazing articles based on the uh, most relevant questions coming into the season. Uh, we did this last time. You know the gist. Uh, we'll start off today with um, one that Tony wrote, actually. And, I, and I'll, I'll let Tony speak on it first, only so that he can better describe maybe what he, uh, what he wants to get out of this. Um, Tony, Jerry, can the Kings get more out of DeMontis Sabonis? Yeah, I think my premise for this question was just looking at the roster and who has upside and maybe looking at Sabonis and what he did for the Kings, what he did for the Pacers, his age. And, you know, we always talk about can Javion Mitchell take a leap? Can De'Aaron Fox take a leap? 
And it was kind of just throwing it out there to, to the Kings universe, I guess. Like maybe does, does Sabonis have another leap in him? Can he increase some aspects of his game with the Kings? And, and that was kind of the, the premise of the question. So definitely interested to hearing uh, Jerry's take. Well, yeah, I, I read your article and I, I certainly, and of course uh, the people that had thoughts on it, I, I really do expect him to, uh, you know, maybe take a small leap. I, I mean, with, with Sabonis, I think just following his career, it's not like the guy uh, is all of a sudden going to try harder. Uh, you know, right. the effort and the, the intensity is is really there as probably as well as about anybody. Uh, I guess my my take would be uh, just knowing starting the year with this team and knowing some of his teammates, of course, a new coach and all that. But but I I think he could be more productive. I don't necessarily look at it as a whole lot more scoring or rebounding, but, you know, maybe getting those 19 points on a, a less, maybe a, a shot or two less. I mean, I think he could score more. I don't necessarily think that it would be in the King's best interest. You know, I really believe that uh, he as a focal point of the offense is really where he'll be most valuable. And, uh, you know, basically playing like he played last year, maybe, uh, you know, taking an open 20 footer now and then making a few more up. Uh, that's, that's about the only thing, you know, I could see for him. I mean, obviously you'd like to see him become a, a more of a defensive factor. Uh, I don't expect that. I think the effort is the effort. He'll, he'll have that, but he's got some physical limitations that if he has to play guard the rim, it's going to be not going to be good for the Kings. Jerry, do you expect, uh, do you expect the Sacramento Kings want um wants a bonus taking more shots this season than maybe he did at the end of last season or or when he was with indiana or is this something that the kings are gonna expect him to basically show up and do what he's always done yeah I, i'd be surprised if they expect a lot more from him offensively uh you know i'm not saying it it it'd just be by degrees but i mean when you look at at Sabonis's all-star years pretty much what he was you know he's going to shoot 13 times and get 20 points uh if he shoots 12 times and gets 18, uh, I don't think the Kings are going to be disappointed in that. I mean, I, I think more importantly, it's, you know, be really productive like he always has, uh, you know, basically uh, get others involved and, and really what he can do to, you know, to, to help Fox, to help Murray, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And I think that's where he's at his best. So to me, he's, uh, you know, it's, probably a closer version of, of Lottie in his prime, but probably a better version offensively. And, and, and so I, I think that's, I don't, can't speak for Mike Brown, but I'd be surprised if they wouldn't just say, Hey, if uh, you can do pretty much what you're doing and try to do it just a little better in every phase, we'll be thrilled. Sure. Tony, is this a, is this a, a thing where uh, a rising tide raises all boats? where you think the team will be better. And so, so Demonis might get a couple more shot attempts or might be able to be a little bit more efficient because he's got Fox and a, and a herder and, and stuff like that. Or is this something where you think that Sabonis is really going to be the key to, to pushing those boat higher up into the water? Yeah. This wasn't a question that I, I really had a great answer to because if, if the Kings win a lot of games, then I don't care what Sabonis's line looks like necessarily. I mean, I would expect that he'd have a pretty, he'd have pretty good numbers if the Kings are winning an impressive amount of games. So I guess the, the first goal is win as many games as you can, but if they aren't winning as many games as, as maybe their potential says they should, 
then maybe a guy like Sabonis can be more aggressive with his own offense. I know that's really not in his nature. And like Jerry mentioned, his, his all-star seasons uh, with the Pacers, he wasn't a prolific scorer. I think his career high is like 20 points a game. Um, so not expecting him to score more, but more just being curious if he can or should. Like, is there more offensive game in him? Uh, there are times where he shot the three more than he did with the Kings. He didn't hit, he hasn't, you know, he's never hit them at a great level, but is that something that he can use to unlock his scoring more? And does that make him, uh, I guess, reach another tier of player? Because I think if you list down like the best centers in the NBA, the best offensive centers, I don't think Sabonis gets mentioned often in the top, top tier. He's probably a tier below. And I think that's mostly because of his scoring. Not that it matters, you know, how, how you're ranked in like this vague tier system of, of who's the best centers in the NBA. But I think if he did score 25 points a game, let's just throw out a number, you'd see him mentioned with guys like uh, Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, and he's not there yet. So Again, not saying he should or shouldn't, but I just wonder if he could, if he has that potential in him to score more. And he's not hes not a go-to scorer. He is more of a facilitator and offensive engine. But there are uh, guys on the Kings that I would rather shoot less, certainly. And, and if Sabonis picks up some of those shots, that could be a good a good way for this offense to lean. Um, to the Kings' credit, they did lose a lot of the, the worst offenders in that. They don't have a lot of ball hogs right now. Um, but if, you know, if you're asking me, do I want to see Buddy Heald chuck up uh, you know, 16 shots a game, or do I want Sabonis to go from 12 to, to 15 shots? I'd give Sabonis more shots and maybe uh, rein Buddy in a little bit. But the Kings really don't necessarily have a roster where I see a bunch of guys who are taking shots that they shouldn't. Yeah, I, I think too, I think Sabonis to me is, you know, if there really is one player on this team that, that really is about winning, it's probably yeah. him. That's his game. You know, I mean, I, I think he's one of those rare guys that could uh, score seven points some night and the team wins and he'd be very happy, <laughs> you know, and, and have really helped teammates have big games. You know, uh, I don't, I've always thought that has been a problem. Uh, we don't have enough of those guys, uh, you know, to, to, to basically, I, I don't believe and just from here again uh, that he, he is a guy who is concerned about stats. He really, it, it's really about taking good shots, getting his teammates good shots, uh, really putting out a great effort. I mean, I think we've seen that, and I think that's what we'll see again. And hopefully the guys that he's trying to make better, which he will, will be better. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of a teammate that uh, we're hoping at some point uh, Sabonis can make better, um, we're going to Rashawn Holmes now uh, in an article that Brant wrote, he asked, and we'll switch this up a little bit. What is Rashawn Holmes impact this season? And I guess I can say, how can Rashawn Holmes impact the team this season coming off the bench as, as a, as a, as a big man? Well, I, I think if uh, Rashawn can get back, you know, just to the level of that where we know he can play uh, certainly as a reserve center and maybe some four, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that's what we're all hoping for is that maybe he could play some minutes there. One thing about Holmes is he, he'll rebound. He'll try to play defense. And we've seen him play reasonable, reasonable defense on some wings. So uh, I would I don't know what uh, Coach Brown's thinking, but I'd sure like to see him trot him out there in the preseason uh, with Sabonis some just to see, because you'd like that lively athlete out there with him and then you know he's got that little funky 20 foot shot that he can make 
So uh, I've always yeah. said it's a little bit like it took Brad Miller a, a while to, to, to go ahead and shoot the corner three. He always had the range, but he just wouldn't do it. You know, they had to make him. And uh, I think, I think Holmes could, you know, he can make that shot and, uh, and sure. probably better than some of the guys we think are better shooters <laughs> and he'll be selective. You know, I mean, the next time Rashawn takes yeah. a really forced bad shot, probably the first time. And uh, so I, I guess in a nutshell, I think the Kings need his athleticism and, and effort at home's best. You know, I mean, the liveliness that he does bring and the unselfishness that he does bring. So I, I just like to, hopefully he can find a role more than just backup center because that's not that's not very much. Yeah. To add some uh, needless media day speculation, Jerry, to uh, uh, to your discussion here, uh, Rashawn Holmes is listed as a forward this year, where last year and the year prior he was listed as a center. So it sounds like not that they're tipping their hand to anything important, but to your point a little bit there, it sounds like the Kings are going to use him more on that four spot than than what like me included. Many of us might might expect. Tony, what do you think about uh, Rashawn Holmes impact this season, especially if he's going to be a four? Well, I think the biggest problem the Kings are going to have uh, this season, I know I'm not the first person to mention this, everyone's talking about it, is their rim protection. And I think the best lineup the Kings can put out there from a rim protection standpoint is Sabonis and Holmes together. Now, will that totally tank your ability to have space on offense? I don't know. We'll have to see. But I think if you're, ta- I mean, defense is a problem for this team. The best front court for defense, in my opinion, is Sabonis and Holmes. Uh, well, I mean, I guess Sabonis wouldn't be in that crew, but Sabonis has to play anyway. So it's really about who can protect the rim the best next to Sabonis. And I do think that is Rashawn Holmes. Um, he's also, uh, in my opinion, you know, quick enough to defend fours. He's one of his best qualities as a defensive center is his ability to switch and guard on the perimeter. So I really have, have no questions about Sabonis and Holmes together defensively. It's really offensively. Can they get creative enough there to make the spacing work? But to me, Holmes is kind of a wild card. Uh, he had a really rough year last year, his off-court issues, the eye problems. I don't care what anybody says, even if you're an NBA level player, going from never wearing goggles in your life to suddenly wearing goggles in the middle of the year has to be somewhat annoying or uncomfortable or weird. So he, he had a bad year and he has a lot to prove this season. If he's good, I think he raises the ceiling to the Kings a lot because at least from, from my chair, uh, my expectations are very questionable. I don't know what kind of impact he's going to have on the roster, but seeing them, the Kings be creative and thinking about his position is is interesting. It's definitely interesting. Jerry, how important is rim protection this season for the Kings? And 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 how can the Kings game plan around a, a roster that isn't necessarily built to protect the rim in the traditional sense of the word? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, we've, we've kind of touched on it a little bit. And, you know, my feeling is that uh, that's a real weakness and it's going to be. I mean, uh, so in my mind is if you know it's going to be, then try to scheme otherwise. In other words, how can you uh, protect the rim? The best way is don't let guys get to the rim. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I think that starts with the guard line. Uh, you know, uh, I've said I, I think a lot of it goes back to De'Aaron. You know, I thought early last year, most of the year, even when Halliburton was here, that uh, he and De'Aaron really just did not uh, stay in front of guys well at all. And, uh, yeah. of course, Davion does. Uh, that's why I like to see him play a lot. But I think it starts there. I mean, uh, you really have got to stay in front of guys and, uh, you know, protect uh, the straight line drives. 
and 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 do do more of that you know pick up the ball pick up the ball quicker or earlier you know use the let the 24 second clock help you uh, we didn't see hardly any of that and and i think that does help because if you can uh, make a team work just to get the ball in play a little bit all of a sudden uh, the clock works against them and and uh, say more perimeter shots would be taken so so anyway uh but that's where it'll stop to start because if, if the Kings think that all of a sudden the rim protection is going to solve itself with the current guys, then you're, you're, you know, I don't know, that's uh, just another form of masturbation, I wouldn't say, because, uh, they're, 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 but, uh, but I do think they have enough athleticism and quickness uh, on the wings and at the guard line to do a much better job there and in effect uh, protect Sabonis because he he'll need their help on defense there at the rim because he's going to get in foul trouble if those guys he's just simply going to get in foul trouble and and you need him to play 35 minutes a night you know uh, Mike Brown's been pretty effusive in his praise of De'Aaron Fox when he coached him prior to him going to Kentucky and how Brown felt like he thought Fox was going to be an elite defender at the NBA level it, do you feel like Jerry that the that the time has passed where Fox can reach a level where he's an elite defender? Do the Kings even need him to be an elite defender in order to make this work, or is this something where if he's just a positive defender or a neutral defender, the Kings will be much better off and and they can they can live with him being just good at it? Well, if De'Aaron just becomes well above average, I think the Kings and Kings fans can be very pleased with that. Uh, is he going to be an elite defender? Could he be? I think he has the athleticism for it, but I, I don't think there's any reason to believe that at this stage. I mean, I, you, you know, you hope to be wrong, but, uh, but the, if, if you're coach Brown, I mean, maybe the, that's probably the biggest charge of, of his, uh, for his year is to get De'Aaron to, to play a consistent level of pressure defense, uh, really putting pressure on the ball, using his quickness and speed to keep the ball uh, under pressure, so to speak. So uh, we'll see, you know, as a Kings fan, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, we haven't seen it. We just haven't seen it on a consistent basis. You know, you've seen flashes and that's, uh, that need, that's gotta, that's gotta change. So I guess the short answer is, can he be an elite defender next year? Probably not. <laughs> can he be a much better defender above average next year? Yes, I think he can. And I'd almost be surprised if he isn't. Tony, Anthony Slater wrote an article for The Athletic Today in which he spoke with uh, with Mike Brown. And I just – only because, Jerry, it, you just kind of tipped me off to this, and I asked Jerry the question, but I found the quote while Jerry was talking here. Um, uh, he's talking about Fox and, and uh, Mike Brown coaching him at Adidas Nation right before he went to Kentucky. And Brown's quote, which was from, I believe, today or yesterday when Slater wrote the article, it said, watching him, meaning Fox, back then – Coaching him back then, I thought he was going to be one of those guys who could change the landscape defensively, Brown said. That's how tenacious and gifted he is. I believe he knows he can still be that. Together, we're going to push him. Is there, is there any hope, Tony, from you as a fan that, that Fox reaches even half the praise that Mike Brown's given him uh, in that? Half the praise, sure. I mean, coming out of Kentucky, I thought he was going to be a great defender too. I think that was part of his potential was his quickness, his hands, his range on defense. That was part of the De'Aaron Fox prospect package. And it's been super disappointing. It's been more disappointing than his, you know, three-point shot, 
more disappointing than his inconsistency offensively, more disappointing than really anything for De'Aaron Fox to me has been the defense. And to Jerry's point, he doesn't need to be like the best in the world. He just can't be bad. And he was bad. Like he's been actually bad. He's been actually hurtful. And to me, there really is no reason for him to not be average. And yes, we need to see it first for us to, you know, have any weight behind those words, but yeah, like he can be an average defender in this league. And the fact that he's not is kind of embarrassing. I don't know why that's the case, but it just can't happen. He can't be bad again. And that's kind of, let's start there. And if he's not bad and he's average, then we'll get to Mike Brown's dream of him being like this game changer as a defender. Yeah. You know, too, I think a lot of us would remember, you know, in, at Kentucky is he and Monk together, you know, obviously an outstanding guard line. And for most of the year, Monk was considered a better prospect. And, and people questioned whether uh, De'Aaron could score enough. There were some real questions. And then, of course, as the year wound down and in the playoffs, then, of course, I, I thought, you know, De'Aaron's stock rose tremendously. And uh, I don't think Monk, uh, Monk slipped necessarily too much, but, but uh, that was the case. And, I mean, if people just think back, I mean, yeah, Monk was – Early on was the guy that everybody said that that, and that Fox was kind of a defender and a and a playmaker. Uh, so anyway, so uh, Calipari uh, got him playing pretty hard about every night. But then you know, you know, Cal got uh, Cousins playing pretty hard every night. <laughs> so 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 uh, I think Cal deserves more credit than sometimes he gets. <laughs> I was just going to say, Jerry, that Cal made Willie Cauley-Stein look like a, a competent oh, NBA that, person. He, Kembe he, Mutombo. Yeah. yeah that, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, that there again, that might be like Rick Adelman, you know, winning 50-some games with, the, you know, with, with our guy, uh, Chuck, uh, the Chuckster. Chuck Hayes. Uh, Chuck <laughs> Hayes, you know, at center. I said, you know, that yeah. Houston ought to build a statue to him right there for that reason alone. And, <laughs> and so, uh, so there's – so there's that. So so we're on the topic of scheming here. Uh, we talked about Mike Brown and how he might scheme on the defensive end to help with uh, rim protection. But uh, Omar wrote an article earlier this uh, this month that talked about uh, his his question was, what will Mike Brown bring to the Kings the the Kings the Kings schematically? Well, I think he's going to bring a lot of organization. You know, I think Mike Brown knows what he wants to do. You know, he's an experienced guy. Uh, he's been a head coach a couple of times. I mean, certainly he's won games. Uh, he's been with a championship level, a championship team. Uh, so I, I, I like that. And I, and I think that's, he, he's got, I don't think there's any doubt he's got in his mind what he wants to do and, and he knows how to do it. Now, whether it all works, uh, who knows? It's going to be a while, but I, I like that idea. I mean, he, he's coming into the Kings with an idea he knows most of their personnel, and he's got an idea right now what he thinks will work. Now, uh, we may get through preseason, and a lot of it may change, uh, and that's sure. that's the nature of it. But but then he's also experienced enough to probably recognize that, thinking, well, I thought we could do this, but now we're going to have to do that. And uh, so I, I like that. I mean, that's, that's the part of experience. I mean, uh, you know. It's not all good. All experience ain't good, but uh, it is experience. And uh, so I, I just think having a having a guy like that that is very confident in, in what uh, he knows and, and how to teach it. I think that's a that's a, a big step up. 
Tony, what do you expect from Mike Brown other than him bringing binders and binders and binders full of defensive scheming next season? Well, you referenced the uh, Anthony Slater article in The Athletic where he injured Mike Brown, and I thought it was interesting that Mike Brown uh, mentioned how he was kind of, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he thought there was an over-reliance in the NBA about the high pick and roll right now and would like to work in a more interesting and less predictable offense, which I thought, you know, that's obviously great to hear. Um, it does seem like every offense in the NBA now runs one play for 80% of the game before they get interesting and try something else. So Mike Brown just realizing trends and you should expect nothing less. He's an NBA head coach. So of course he should pick up on these things, but um, I guess that that's kind of exciting to me it is not su uh, such a reliance on the same play over and over again. Um, he, but he is going to work the offense around Fox and Sabonis as he should. So I guess it's one of those things where they'll have to play it out and, and see who's performing and who isn't because uh, Alvin Gentry had some great ideas too. And Luke Walton would tell you that he had some great ideas too. And sometimes the execution isn't always there. So I do think Mike Brown has more weapons than those guys have or had um, more options are good. And I, and Mike Brown to me at this point is saying all the right things. So now it's a matter of will this team execute? Yeah. Jerry, would you expect to, Oh, go ahead, Jerry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, I mean, the only, <laughs> no, you go, Jerry, you go. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, the high pick, the high pick and roll stuff. And yeah, that, I mean, obviously it's very, very successful and teams use it, but I do think it's been overdone and I, I don't know that's the best way to use Sabonis and Fox either. Uh, so I, I think that's very encouraging. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but uh, I think, uh, you know, and that's one thing about uh, Mike's experience being around Steve Kerr. Uh, very, very creative uh, offensive coach and certainly had players that could play a lot of different ways. And, uh, and you know, I'm not saying that uh, I don't see a lot of Steph Curry's out there on the Kings roster, but, but I, I do think some of the creativity could, could come into play. And I, and I like that. I, I mean, if for no other reason, I don't know if it improved the Kings, but not playing as much screen and roll, but I'm tired of seeing all of it. How's that? <laughs> Jerry answered my question. I, we didn't even need to argue for the last five minutes about who's going next. <laughs> okay. So the next one here, we talked about Sabonis a little bit and what he can, uh, if we can get more out of, uh, about, uh, out of him. Um, Tim wrote an article uh, under the premise of will De'Aaron Fox make a superstar leap this season? Do you guys feel like Fox has another gear that he can get to maybe that, that at the end of, uh, at the end of last season, that, that run that he went on before getting injured? Do the Kings even need De'Aaron Fox? We answered this a little bit last time we we went through these. Do you think Fox needs to make a superstar leap? Well, I mean, uh, for the Kings to win or or contend for the Western Conference, he needs to be a superstar. How's that? Uh, sure. Now, my my opinion yeah. is, it's like I don't know how you make a superstar leap leap until you become a star, uh, and and I think he's yet for a full year has yet to prove that. I mean, he's proven he's got some. Uh, really unique talents and, and could put up some really impressive stats and, you know, in certain segments of the season, which some often are very meaningless. Uh, but uh, so, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not counting on him being a superstar. I would like for him to, to make the actual step to being a legitimate star and moving up into the upper echelon of starting point guards or scoring guards, however it plays out. And I think he certainly can do that. But uh, I guess being an old curmudgeon, I, my idea of a superstar is pretty high level. You know, or, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, seven to ten guys maybe. 
<laughs> and and do I think he can? Sure. I guess in short, can I? Do I think Fox can get to be in the that seven to ten category? No, I don't. <laughs> Tony, is De'Aaron Fox the next James Harden? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably doesn't have the shooting for that. I think. Yeah, he can. I mean, I don't know. We've talked about Fox so much and his potential and what the Kings need out of him. I liked Monty McNair's answer today when he kind of mentioned like, what do you want to see more of from the Kings this season? And he just said wins. And I, I that's kind of how I'm, I feel about the De'Aaron Fox conversation at this stage. It's like, he has the numbers most of the time. Um, the, the high end version of De'Aaron Fox is awesome, but we still haven't seen wins. So at some point to me, I, I'm less worried about Fox's numbers. I think with Sabonis for a full year, they're going to be very good. My concerns with Fox are, does he start the season slow? Um, which he could. And if he does, that's bad. So I don't want to see that. And then do the Kings win games. So start the season strong, win games. And I think Fox is going to reach pretty much every realistic level we can put on him. I think if the Kings win games and he starts strong, he has an all-star buzz, like he could make it this year. Or um, at the very least, if he makes the play-in or the playoffs, then he starts, starts creeping up on those, you know, top 50 NBA players lists. And that's really what you want to see. Start strong, win games. Yeah, you know, I'd say that absolutely. And to me, if Fox averaged 20 points a game and the Kings would win 40 games, I'd say that's terrific, as opposed to scoring 28 and the Kings winning 28. Yeah. And uh, I think it's it's that time, and I think I don't know that all fans would agree with it, but I think a lot do. And I, I think it's more about being more productive and more valuable than it is overall stats. And, and uh, you know, I like as uh, Tony pointed out, I think, once that happens, uh, the recognition will be there, even with less stats, uh, you know, yep. winning, winning makes, uh, makes up for a lot of it. And the Kings just haven't won enough. And, and so it, that's where it is. It, uh, W's and L's. Yeah, I agree with you, Jerry, that I would rather uh, De'Aaron Fox be Mike Conley and the Kings go on the same run that the Memphis Grizzlies went on than him be, you know, James Harden and, and end up right back in the lottery every single season. Okay, so so Tony kind of mentioned this a little bit, and it leads pretty well in. Uh, Aki wrote an article uh, entitled, uh, Will the Kings Have Any All-Stars This Season? And I'll, uh, I'm not going to hold you your, your feet to the flames here, but if you guys want to make a prediction, you certainly can. Well, I think, the honestly, the guy with the best chance is Sabonis, you know, partly because uh, he's a big player, and there's so many, uh, so many talented wings and guards in the West. And I just think his just – by nature of his position and, and he'll have stats if he's healthy enough. And if the team were to surprise a little bit. And uh, so I, I think he probably does have the best chance. Funny. What about you? I would say, I mean, the easy bet is no for an all-star. But unfortunately, I do think they'll have representation in all-star weekend because Keegan Murray is, is going to make the rising stars <laughs> game. So I'll give you that. Um, but no, I don't think, I don't know how you could safely or smartly predict an all-star for this team yet. Do they have two guys that could make it if things break right? Definitely. Like Fox and Sabonis have the talent if enough things break right, but I'm definitely not going to predict that in, uh, in September. Tony, you know, that you, uh, you mentioned Keegan Murray being a part of all-star weekend and a monkey pod just curled a finger closed, right? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. If Keegan Murray does not make it, we have major problems, major things went wrong. Uh, I guess I'll ask it this way only because I saw some some discussion of this on Twitter too. Um, does the gentleman uh, on an Eastern Conference team in Indiana who who was traded for Demonis Sabonis is there a chance that he makes an All Star team this year? 
Well, I think he's got a chance, but but I think it's a lot the same in some ways with Fox. I mean, just the numbers. There's so many more sure. established guards that uh, uh, Indiana would have to do really well and win. And and I think their chances of winning probably aren't as good as the Kings. So uh, sure. I guess, you know, uh, so overall, I'd say his chances are, are not not particularly good. Tony, if uh, Tyrese Halberton puts up gaudy stats and the and the Pacers are a, a high lottery team, uh, do you, do you think they uh, they give him an All Star nod just to really piss off Sacramento? I I would believe they'd do that to us. Will I think that's possible? <laughs> yeah. uh, I would put Halliburton in the same likelihood as anyone on the Kings. I do think and this is a me problem. I still mentally have the East being worse than the West, and I'm not even sure if that's true anymore. But in but in my mind of watching the NBA. I feel like it's easier to make the all-star game in the East. It's easier to make the play-in game in the East. And again, that might be false, but I that's been true for so long that I can't get it out of my brain. So from that standpoint, I do think Halliburton has some opportunity to, to be interesting in that conference. Yeah, it's just so tough, you know, when you look at the – of course, I think the East may be as good as the West, if not – it's maybe at the top. But, but I mean, you know, you, when you look at the Trey Youngs and, and, and Harden and uh, – uh, you know, basically, I mean, there, there's a lot. I mean, our Garland from Cleveland. Uh, you know, there's some guys that just have to be on there, and then uh, who, who knows? Uh, you know, whether where some young guys may may emerge as well. So, I mean, he could be one. I, I think Tyrese. I really kind of think he will be an All Star in his career. I just don't hardly see it this year. Okay, this is a this is one on your guys's personal opinion here, uh, specifically about about uh, whether or not it makes you happy. But uh, Greg wrote this article uh, entitled "Is the Plan Enough?" and I, and I'll say this from the perspective of: Would a plan appearance be enough of a step forward to make either of you two happy about the Kings' direction? I'll let Tony go first on that. Man. I think the Kings, the plan <laughs> can be enough. It won't it's not always going to be enough. And I say that meaning if they back into it and no one else is trying and they make it, you know, with 35 wins, 38 wins, then no, I don't think that's enough. But if they're in a race with someone and they've got to win games and let's say, I mean, maybe they even finish over 500, they get 40 wins, then it's enough. So like every question context matters. Um, I think the play, the nature of the play in is you can make it 10 and have no one else try. And it really doesn't mean anything. But if you make it 10 and it's a legitimate race and teams are trying and the Kings win out, then yeah, I would consider that a good step. Um, so it's a, I don't know, it's a cop out of an answer, because, but I don't think it's a really a yes or no question. I think you do need some context there. You know, and I, I think too, how you, you know, so let's say you make the play and I wouldn't necessarily be all thrilled, but yet if you really make a good account of yourself, like, uh, like New Orleans did last year, uh, you know, uh, you know, Atlanta, struggled most of the year, but then they made it, played extremely well in the play-in and advance. That type of thing. Now, if you make the play-in and get, you know, get uh, slapped around a little bit, then you probably wouldn't feel feel very good about it, you know. Uh, so anyway, yeah. I mean, I got to be honest. It's like uh, I'm just looking for anything, you know. <laughs> God Almighty, just just I I don't I don't need a lot right now, you know. I just need. Just give me something. <laughs> I think someone in the comments of Greg's article compared it to the King fans the last 16 years have been eating poop sandwiches and now they're being offered a soggy cold quesadilla. 
and they're like, you know, that's like an improvement enough that like you're happy to not be eating crap sandwiches but it's also like in the context a general person wouldn't really be happy about it but like for king's fans it would be a massive upgrade yeah the, oh, so. i was gonna say it's kind of reminded me a little bit of an old story a buddy of mine used to kind of be a little bit of a womanizer and and, and he had always his his uh, philosophy on stuff like that was a g-u-e you'd go to bar and said let's g-u-e and i said what the hell are you talking about and to go ugly early said you know it's best, best chance we got you know that was and i wouldn't i did not participate i want you to know that i but uh but anyway yeah at some point that's that's kind of how the plan would make you feel like you, know, you just kind of gue you, you just went ugly early <laughs> there was definitely a time in my Kings fan life where I would have said, no, the play-in is not enough. Definitely not. It's got to be the playoffs. I need a four-game series. And now, Jerry, you're right. Like, at the training camp part of the season, I just want something. Give me anything to be to be excited about, to watch, and I'll, I'll be at least some level of happy, or happier than I am right now. I feel like I'm jaded enough, and, and, and being the tank guy here, I feel like I'm, I'm also, like, grumpy enough about some stuff in the last few years that, like, a championship will truly make me happy. Like I will like to be overjoyed, like like a tear in my eye, feeling warm, fuzzy feelings, good chemicals hitting my brain. I got to win a championship. But like, is it enough for me to be like, yeah, I'll tune in next year or like, yeah, I guess I can continue to write about the Kings next year or I can continue to talk to Jerry and Tony like a plan goes a long ways towards like yeah, I can I can sit here and talk to Jerry and Tony for another year if the Kings win 38 games and like get beaten up by a team in the second game of the, the, the play and stuff. But if they, if they, if they win 25 games and they're trying their hardest, it's going to be very, very mm. hard next year. This, this next off season will be absolutely ridiculously hard. We're going to have to change some things around here. Yeah. It will be tough for me. Honestly, I, I don't, uh, it's going to be, you know, if the Kings were to, you know, be the 28 to 30 win team or something like that. I, I'm just not sure. You know, I'm just not sure, you know, I'll always pull for him, but, uh, you know, it might be like my dad and the Cubs years ago, you know, he just got, so he didn't uh, listen to him every game, hey, you know, uh, you know, he still wanted them to win, but he said, I just can't do this every night. I just can't do it. And that's, uh, I may get to that if that's the case. We, this certainly isn't a Greek tragedy. We're not Sisyphus like push, pushing a pushing a, a rock up a hill like we, we're like doomed for all time to do it. Like we can stop pushing the rock up the hill at any time. And for like for like yeah. 16 years now, every year I'm looking at that rock and I'm like, if I start pushing that rock, I better get it all the way up the hill. And every year it's been like, oh, why am I pushing this rock up the hill? And I do it. We continue to do it. But it is one of those things that. It gets harder and harder every year. I get a little bit older, a little bit more jaded. Yeah, we we just need a smaller hill and a smaller rock. That's all we're asking for. <laughs> so become a fan of the G League. Is that what you're saying? Might might come to that. <laughs> I think the play-in was a smaller hill. Yeah. They kind of gave us one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely no, right. No. Well, that's a great point there, yeah. <laughs> oh, damn it. Also, that'll be like our second – national televised game in 10 years so that's a win yeah. let's lead on national tv <laughs> oh my gosh we are searching aren't we fellas <laughs> yeah 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 you're, you're absolutely right in that we are 100 percent searching here okay so um uh, this is a this is another one that was written by, by aki um he's asking uh who makes the final cut obviously we've got uh, the training camp roster dropped today we've got guys like quinn cook matthew della vadova 
Chima uh, Monarchy, uh, uh, Sam Merrill, Casey Okpala. Uh, Kings have 20 guys. I think basically, what, two of those five can stay? Uh, do you guys have any opinions on who you think? Any, 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 uh, any prognostications on who out of that group ends up making the final roster? But the only, and I've said this and that, it, I don't really know very much about some of these guys. I, I mean, I do think it's important this year for, uh, for Coach Brown, you know, to the final roster. What he really needs to find out is the 10 guys who's going to play. And then the, the next couple that might actually be able to play if he had to play them. And then, uh, then who cares? I, I, I'm not very sympathetic, <laughs> but I, I think Quinn Cook is a guy that I, I think can play in an NBA game. You know, and I, I know Matthew Delvadova used to could, but I, I've just got a little more faith that, that you know, if you needed a, a guy to put in there 15, 20 minutes, like somebody gets hurt or, or to play a few games, I, I think Quinn Cook would, could go in there and play and not embarrass you. Absolutely. Tony, do you have any, uh, any predictions on who you think might end up out of that group uh, making the final roster? I do. Uh, two years ago, the buzz guy in training camp was Jabari Parker. A year before uh, last year, the buzz guy was Tristan Thompson. This year, the buzz guy seems to be Chima Moneki. Uh, Zach Lowe mentioned him in his podcast the other day as having like advanced stats that were off the charts that data nerds were were excited about. Uh, I think Slater today mentioned him in the mix as like a deep starting power forward option, which is crazy. Not going to happen, but he's in that conversation. Um, and the words from him out of training camp are, are super encouraging and fun and interesting. So I'm going to throw out Chima as the guy I am rallying behind. He's the training camp buzz guy this year. Uh, will it mean anything like Jabari Parker and Tristan Thompson proved before him? Probably not. But it's one of those things in training camp that you get hyped up and rally behind. So that's what I'm doing this year for Chima. That's perfect media day content too, Tony. I, I think that's a perfect way of you're, you're looking between lines and you're seeing, you're seeing patterns that may or may not be there. And as a Kings fan, <laughs> damn it. I respect you for it. I, yeah, if I, some as soon as I can dump Jabari Parker out of my mind, as soon as he was gone from the Kings, he was never on the Kings. He just was gone. Yeah. You know, I try to get, we have so many of those buzz guys, so many of those different uh, hype words and uh, you know, phrases that each season they, they drop uh, last year. I think it was, Stacking wins in the year before that, I don't know. I get rid of it. Uh, it's 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 last year's hat. Throw it away. Well, well, you know too that as you get into the practices and early preseason, uh, there'll be the guy that boy, he's looking great and he is looking great. He's going to be this. He's going, and then you know he ain't going to be Jack Squat. You know. But uh, yeah, well, you just don't know who it's going to be. That's uh, it's going to Jabari Parker was going to su surprise a lot of people out of at a training camp <laughs> yeah. two years ago. He was that guy. Ooh, what can we expect out of Jabari Parker? You expect nothing out of Jabari Parker. You expect exactly what <laughs> yeah. you got in that. Uh... Oh, that's great. Okay, so uh, the last for, for this little round of questions, uh, Brendan wrote a really good one. Uh, he asked, um, "What can we learn from preseason this year?" So Jerry as a former coach, as a former GM, what are we looking at coming into the preseason? Because the next time we talk, half a preseason will be done. So one, what can we learn from preseason? What can we learn from these training camps? What do you, what are you, what are you expecting out of, out of all this in the next two weeks? Well, I, I think, pro, you know, probably for, for Coach Brown and his staff, what, what they would like to, to learn from the preseason is really be able to implement whatever improvements 
uh, they're going to do defensively, set, set a tone, in other words, and to hopefully see that early on and then decide, you know, wh what at least our, our top 10 guys at some point, you, you want to start the season through preseason at the end of preseason with an idea. These, this is how we need to play offensively. Uh, these are the guys. Uh, and then, you know, probably you're going to find out some of it doesn't work. Uh, but 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 with with Coach Brown, obviously it's a it's a new team, and a lot of the guys have been together, but he hadn't been together with them, and so there'll be some adjustments. But I I think in the simple terms, you know, you you and then you want to find, you know, who's going to make your roster. I think that's a lot less important, personally, than than who's going to play, uh, who's going to play, and how are we going to play, and clearly going into the season, knowing that we've got problems and have had defensively, can we show that we can make some inroads during the preseason? And, sure. and then who are our main guys uh, and who are our reserves? And let's, uh, let's, let's play some games and then find out just exactly where we were wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So Tony, what do you expect from, uh, from, uh, from all of this in the next two weeks? I don't know if I expect this, but this is what I'm looking for. Uh, offense is going to be ugly in preseason. People are going to miss shots. Guys aren't going to run the right plays. That's fine. But defensive intensity, I feel like we should be able to see some of that right away if it's going to exist. Mike Brown has talked in every every interview, every conference about uh, intensity, culture, the things he's trying to bring from this team. Um, I'm not saying you're going to see 48 minutes of great Kings defense every single preseason game, but I think we should see some level of effort and intensity that you can even see in the preseason. I feel like there should be like this team is so has been so embarrassing on defense. They've been so bad on that side of the ball at times that I think you should see uh, some uh, new intensity or effort or, or uh, whatever word you want to use on defense right away, just to prove a point like that should be the message from the Kings. And I think that's the message Mike Brown has been putting out that, yeah, these games don't necessarily matter, but just to prove a point, let's really put some effort on this side of the ball from preseason game one, um, because that, that is what Mike Brown has been preaching. So I, I feel like if, if the players are going to listen, we should start seeing that as early as, you know, game one of the preseason. Boy, I agree with that. And I'll tell you the thing I'll, I'll look for. And I mean, this is just me, I suppose, but the last preseason game, the last preseason game uh, should be the guys that's going to play. And, and to Tony's point, you're going to see, you know, you may see be seeing great effort with a lot of guys who aren't going to play during the early preseason. And that's good. That's all good. But, uh, you know, what I want to see is the guys that you're, that they're counting trotting out there 30 some minutes a night uh, uh, in that last preseason game, which they'll play quite a bit, that they treat it like that, that uh, we, we, we see it. Like okay, okay, these, these guys uh, looks like looks like we we're on to something, on to something. You know that's all. Yeah. Uh, outside of injuries, what are you guys going to be concerned about if if two weeks from now? What what are the things that are you that you guys are observing and looking for to really you know something that would really really make you nervous about the upcoming season? Is there anything specifically that you can name that you'd be like if two weeks from now this is happening? rats need to jump off the boat because it's sinking hmm. well I, 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 there's obviously a few things i mean injuries number one but let's say uh keegan murray really struggles in preseason you know rookie that you're counting on quite a bit uh, uh 
but De De'Aaron doesn't uh, seem like he's uh, hitched up to the to, to the wagon. Uh, well, no, I'm just, I really don't think <laughs> it's going to happen, but I'm just saying, because uh, I always say that way I look at it, of course, I'm just how I am, but I, I say, yeah, the injury thing is such a key, and that's what I always say, the best thing I'm thinking, a lot of injuries to the other guys. That's what you're hoping for. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what about you? Is there anything that you're uh, you're shaking in your boots about? Yeah, I mean, Jerry hit it. If injuries happen, they happen. I'm going to be bummed out, but what are you going to do about that? It's the it's the opposite of the last question we just answered. If the defensive intensity isn't there at all and Fox is still letting guys go right by him and then Fox is, I don't know, doing what Fox has done the last few years at the beginning of the year, taking too many threes, not really taking it seriously, I'll be worried. I'll be a little concerned. Um, obviously, you wait for the, for the full games before you make any massive judgments on anything, but... Uh, yeah, you don't want to see you don't want to see Fox start slow. You don't want to see um, poor defense even in the preseason. I, I just think this team has has not earned the trust to think they'll just turn it on once the games matter. I, I like some teams can say that the Kings are not one of them, so they've got to show something. Sure. So moving away from the thirty Qs here, um, we mentioned earlier that uh, Anthony Slater wrote a, a, an incredible little article for for the Athletic uh, about uh, Mike Brown and and his expectations coming into the season and where the Kings are in 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 the whole flow of things. And I want to share a couple of quotes with you guys and get your opinions on them. So uh, this particular one is about um, trying to predict the starters and the rotation for for the Kings this season. And uh, Slater says um, Brown isn't ready to name a firm starting lineup. He expects a fierce camp battle at several rotation spots. These are the near guarantees. Fox will be his starting point guard. Sabonis is starting center. Barnes is starting small forward. It seems likely that uh, Herter uh, starts at shooting guard and Mitchell is a high usage third guard off the bench. The power forward might be most up for grabs. Murray is the future at the position, but he has competition in the immediate. That includes Chemezi Metsu, Trey Lyles, and a name to watch, Camp Invite uh, Moneki. Jerry, I, I'm curious, are you, are you surprised at all that, and this could just be speculation from a writer, but would you be surprised at all if Keegan Murray doesn't start the first 10 or so games of the season? I don't think I'd be particularly surprised. I mean, he is a rookie. Uh, I'd like to believe, I mean, I'd certainly like for him to be good enough to go get that spot, but uh, I don't necessarily think that would uh, – mean he can't be a top level player at all sure. but uh you know i mean you know I, I definitely think there's probably more more competition for that spot and of course if it were me i'd i'd certainly have Rashawn holmes in that discussion as well uh but uh trey lyles and met too i mean they're, they're proven players uh keegan certainly you know looks like he could be a, a star type guy in time uh so that yeah, no, I think you just have to, you know, one thing about it is I think with the coach Brown, I mean, he, he does have some spots probably that are, that are set, which is good. And then, uh, you know, he'll just have to let it play out. I mean, uh, cream will rise to the top if there is any cream. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, uh, Keegan Murray is going into a, 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 a roster battle. Jamezi Metu, Trey Lyles, and possibly Chima Monarchy. Like, uh, if he doesn't come out on top of that battle, how are you feeling? 
I don't know. I mean, I I thought uh, Slater worded that interesting because I would think, from my view, that Keegan Murray's biggest competition in the starting lineup would be Harrison Barnes starting at the four. Now, Slater slots him in at the three um, off the jump. That's interesting to me because I think you have enough guards and Herter can play the three, in my opinion, that you could do something more interesting there where maybe it's Fox, Davion Mitchell for defense, Herter at the three, uh, Barnes at the four, Sabonis at the five. And then I'd say, okay, you know, it's understandable that Keegan Murray couldn't beat out Harrison Barnes for that spot on day one. I do think it would be disappointing, weird, interesting, strange, whatever word you want to use. If he actually is losing that spot to someone like Chemezi Metu or Trey Lyles or Moneki or Okpala or whoever Mike Brown puts in there, that would be weird. Uh, cause for major concern. No, not yet. Maybe after a, a couple months, I'd, I'd be a little bit more weirded out and it would escalate from there. But I do think Barnes is sort of his main competition in the starting lineup, not those other guys. But who knows? I mean, Slater knows more than me. He talked to Mike Brown. So we'll see how it plays out. You know, I, I I do think too that that I'd like to see really the, the approach during the preseason is to decide who your best players are. Don't worry so much about the positions, yeah. you know. And 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 right. it's like Tony said there. I I'm not at all sure that the that Harrison Barnes at this stage might be, and the Kings might be better with him at four, uh, you know. Yeah. And really, since you're not going to be uh, great rim protectors, uh, just you know, score, have some shooters. Yeah. Put, put some shooters around Sabonis and all that. So, and I think that that lineup may be the one that may not start, but may play the most, you know, too. Uh, so oh, sure. a lot of, I mean, coach Brown's got a lot of ways he can go and uh, you know, and that's, that's the real, real charge is you don't want to, you know, kind of be 20 games into season before he figures it out, you know, and I know he doesn't want to do that. To your point, Jerry, uh, Slater has a quote from uh, from Mike Brown that that absolutely agrees with you there. Uh, Brown starts off by saying, I don't know if Keegan will start, but I know those players are both better than I thought, uh, referring to him and Harrison Barnes, than I thought after I've been around them. Part of that is the versatility. It hasn't shocked me, but it's made me sit back and believe, believe we've got something here. We're going to play positionless basketball to a certain degree, especially with our one through four. Uh, now we're getting that uh, positionless basketball phrase in there again for the umpteenth time in in as many years um are you guys are you guys um all in on on the kings being positionless or do you feel like we're gonna see pretty much what we've seen these last few years we we know what we're getting and the creativity involved with where players are playing in the lineup isn't going to be nearly like i'm thinking of who who played we had some weird lineups last year where they played four guards in a center like rashawn holmes like i think terrence davis one game was a power forward uh, you know, right, right there. Uh, is is there any chance that Mike Brown goes goes fully off tilt and plays positionless basketball, Jerry? Or is this a buzzword that we're really? It's more like, oh, we we might get Herder at the three for a little bit, and that's about as positionless as we get. I, I'd be surprised if if he if he doesn't. I really, I, I mm. think, uh, you know, I really do think with Coach Brown being around the Warriors and certainly how they played. And uh, the only concern always is, you know, you can go small like that. And certainly the, there's one concern, and that is rebounding the ball. Uh, you know, when you're – but uh, they got to guard you. Uh, you know, I, I always uh, – I say at some point, if you can, you know, knowing full well what your weakness may be, if it's not too big a weakness, uh, if your strengths more than make up for it, uh, that's why I say getting your best players on the floor, even if it doesn't fit the normal 
pattern, but uh, I always go back to the old John Wooden philosophy, and I've always thought he was so right uh, uh, over the years in different circumstances. Try to get a quickness advantage at every position, you know. Period. And, uh, and if, if you can do that, and I and I think when you look, look at some of the best teams, uh, that's kind of kind of how it works out a little bit. And uh, so anyway, I, I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind seeing Barnes and and Keegan Murray and Sabonis, and Fox and and Mitchell out there at all. I mean, I think that. Uh, you know, they're going to give up something, but damn, that that would be a pretty hard team to guard. That's the way I'd look at it. Yeah, that has definitely been a fun buzzword in Sacramento for a while, but I do think it's more true this year than it ever has been before. I think uh, for both Luke Walton and Alvin Gentry, when you have Rashawn Holmes as your starting center, you kind of are limited in how small you can get. And I do think Sabonis is obviously not a, a great defender either, or, you know, he's even worse than Holmes in defending the rim in some ways. But what Sabonis is, is an awesome rebounder. So before when the Kings were trying to get weird and do weird lineups around Rashawn Holmes, it was tough because they were giving up, you know, size in the paint and also they couldn't really rebound. But Sabonis being an elite rebounder, I do think does open up some freedom for them to be a little bit more weird. And I do think this roster is, it actually is more positionless than the buzzword the Kings have tried to use for their rosters in years past in other years, I would have said that's not really accurate this year. If you look at the roster and I kind of think it is, I think, I think it is a little bit positionless. I I do think it is. uh, It does lend Mike Brown to get a little bit more weird than the Kings have in the past. So we've talked about all-stars in Sacramento, but you know, who's already an all-star in Sacramento, our sponsors, Sacramento electronic supply. We'll be right back. Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from TexLogix. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7 www.sacelect.com. Okay, we are uh, we are back after that, Jerry. You got a great uh, you got a great voice for radio. You ever done it before? Uh, once or twice, yeah. I I, I don't know <laughs> that anybody would agree with that. I got a, a great voice for it. I just <laughs> I've just done a lot of it. <laughs> maybe yeah, it's maybe one of those things. I've, I've grown up with you uh, doing it, so I've just heard it in my head my whole life. So I just know that that's the gold standard for us. Thanks. So uh, okay, so we're back. Uh, we've got a couple of segments here before we uh, before we sign out for the day. Uh, the first one, this is our first one of the season. I wanted to get you guys back on the train so you can talk about something other than the Sacramento Kings this season from the very jump. We're not we're not waiting until the Kings go zero and ten or zero and five or whatever to start the season. We're not waiting until I get $12,500 from frustrated fans for charity. <laughs> We're doing it today at the start of the season. We're starting with healthy habits. This is our anything but King segment uh, segment where I give Tony and Jerry a chance to talk about any other game, any other team, any other storyline from the sports world that they've encountered over the, uh, over the last two weeks. The only rule is they don't get to talk about the Kings. So Jerry, Tony, whenever you guys are ready, take it away. Well, a couple of things, several things have come up to me in the sports world, and I, I really am a sports fan watching the President's Cup, really enjoyed that in golf. Uh, but one of the, the, the probably the three things that, that have struck me even more so 
seeing Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal play a doubles match, uh, uh, Federer officially retiring, and, uh, you know, seeing maybe the two greatest players in the history of the game, you know, crying. They're great friends. And so I, I thought that was really special. And, of course, Albert Pujols has been rejuvenated and hit his 700th home run. And yeah. who would have thought saw that coming in August when he had seven for the year? Uh, and, and, and that's amazing. And then, of course, the Aaron Judge, uh, you know, I'm, like I say, I've lost pretty much interest in baseball. But but to me, uh, you know, that's just an amazing feat on the way. And I'll certainly be pulling for Judge to 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 break Roger Maris's uh, record. I think that'd be a great thing. So that's that's kind of it. That, uh, but I think it was a, a great week in sports. Absolutely. Tony, what about you? Yeah, these are my five weeks of pretending I'm an NFL fan before the NBA starts. So I've been enjoying that. I will say, um, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. Their season has been very disappointing. I didn't think they'd be very good. They aren't very good. However, uh, as soon as the Patriots game ended, I switched to the Dolphins and the Bills game, which was an awesome game. And I kid you not, any disappointment or sadness that I felt towards the Patriots loss completely went away after the butt punch that was the that was the best <laughs> football play i have seen i watched the replay a thousand times all the all the jokes on twitter were great so uh shout out to the nfl for really delivering every sunday like every sunday is something it's great i'll sit in front of the tv and watch it for eight hours um again until the nba starts and takes away all my free time but for now uh, i will enjoy plays like the butt punt that make me feel better about my team not being very good at football you know, Jerry, I, uh, I I haven't been watching much baseball either, but I will say that uh, there's somebody I will tune in for, and that's uh, that's Shohei Otani. Uh, that was another guy that this this whole discussion. Uh, I work obviously in a place where you can. There's a lot of discussion going around all the time, and one of the things that's always kind of being brought up is uh, who who's getting MVP? Is it Aaron Judge with his 60 60 plus home runs? Uh, we'll, we got two weeks. He he might hit a couple more. Or is it somebody like uh, Otani who's who's going to wind up with 30 home runs, 100 RBI, and he's probably a better pitcher than he is a hitter at this point. It's uh, He's such an amazing uh, athlete. He's such a, a, a strange thing in 2022 to, to pop up that uh, it, it, every time I watch him, every time I see highlights on Twitter, it's one of those things like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy exists. He sounds like something from 1918 that never, never happened again, and here he is in the modern day just absolutely ripping – the baseball off on both ends of the, uh, a, a true offensive and defensive player, I guess we could say. Yeah. Yeah. We've never seen anybody like him ever. I mean, because even the great Babe Ruth, you know, he was a great pitcher, but he, he chose to go just to hitting. He never did really did it. It consists for any length of time, do both. And this guy is great at both. And uh, like you said, I think he is probably the more dominant pitcher than he is even a great hitter, but uh, yeah, you could legitimately give him the MVP every year just because he's so unique. I I would choose probably not to do that because I think judge is on a better team and winning and a chance even for a triple crown, which would be is is equally rare, but, but uh, yeah, I was going to say if you young kids out there, if you, if you like baseball and you, you watch this guy because you, you'll probably, you'll never see another like him. No. <laughs> I mean, he's one in a quadrillion. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. So we're going to go over now to uh, Tony. Tony, what's our uh, Patreon question of the day? 
Thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask one question from the uh, online Kings community. We've opened it up. It's questions from Patreon, from Twitter, from the website. Uh, you ask your question, we ask, we ask it to Jerry. Um, if any question does get answered on this podcast, we have a Patreon-exclusive Q&A once a month where we ask all the leftover questions. This week's question comes from Bryant, who I thought submitted something that I uh, thought was really interesting, wanted to hear Jerry's take on, and kind of falls in line with some of the stuff we've talked about on this podcast already. Uh, but Bryant says, I'm sitting here hoping for playoffs, but I fully expect I won't believe they are actually good until like March of their first good season. How far into this team being good will you be ready to trust they are good? Well, that's a great question. I, uh, yeah, I, I've probably gotten, you know, to be uh, a lot more skeptical and cynical here in the last few years and not necessarily proud of it. It's just, <laughs> that's the way it is. Uh, yeah. I, to me, this team probably into March, you know, I'd have to say, you know, they're going to have to be, you know, in certainly in the playoff hunt in March for me to have very much trust in them. And, uh, you know, I, you know, a lot of people say, well, that's, that's not a lot, but, but compared to where, where it's been, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I'm at the stage where it's like we said earlier, it's about winning. It's about winning games. And, uh, you know, don't tell me, show me. Will, uh, when will you believe the Kings are good? I, I honestly, I honestly could be, could be, uh, somebody who we could go this whole season. The Kings could win a play in game. They could be, you know, they could be, they could get four playoff games. And at the end of the season, I'd be like, I don't know if they're good or not. You know, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things that like I've been tricked before. I, and like, just because I got closer to the football and my leg is back and I'm about to kick that football doesn't mean Lucy's not going to pull that football at the very last second. She just let me get to the very last, but I'm swinging my leg down on that football. She might just be quicker. She might just pull that football at the last second. So I, I, I honestly, uh, I, I would say uh, playoff time next year, if the Kings can do it two years in a row, that's when I'll start settling into, they, they might be good. They, they might be an all right team, but the Kings could go this whole season outside of them winning 60 games. If they win 60 games, I'm on the bandwagon. I, I'm, I'm drinking every game. I'm hooping and hollering like a party. We're, we're going to have a good time on this podcast if the Kings win 60. Outside of that, next year playoff time that's when uh, i'll i could be convinced that the kings are good Damn, you're tough will 60 games <laughs> <laughs> 55 oh, okay. 55 you'll you'll get i'll pop a cola you know that's that's all we're getting on that one but 60 that's that's where i'll know they're good tony what about you yeah i'm not too far from you will only because good is such a high bar like <laughs> if this question was when are you going to believe they're okay competent yeah competent yeah. and for that i would say uh, if they clinch the play-in, then I'd be like, okay, this team is competent. But when the answer, when the question is, are they good? I don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know what a good team looks like. I, how, how am I supposed to know? <laughs> um, I'll know it when I see it, I guess. But it'll take something like a play-in clinch for me to be like, all right, th- there's something happening here. We've got something. Something is going on. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it really. Uh, you guys had great answers. I. I it really <laughs> does just establish to me that I'm just getting needy and desperate. <laughs> you know, it's really pretty disgusting, really. Yeah. Jerry, you're allowed to be. After yeah, all these years, you know, yeah, after all these years, you've witnessed double the losing that we have for the most part. True. So you're good. Yeah. 
You're good. You've gone through this twice yeah, now. G- yeah. So you're yeah, fine. G-U-E. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jerry, we're going over to you now for the, uh, for the Reynolds wrap up of the, uh, of the episode. Well, you know, I think it's just an exciting time, you know, obviously the season's starting, you know, uh, we know what we're going to hear. Everybody's looking good. Uh, you know, I always love this time of year because every team feels like they're a lot better. I mean, we talked about earlier where there's always a couple that don't even want to be better, but for the most part, everybody's, everybody is better and going to be really good until they start playing games. Uh, but, but it is, uh, it is exciting. And I think it's exciting to hear positive things, even if we know some of them won't turn out that way, but it's nice to hear it, especially from a, a new coach and a coaching staff, because if they don't believe they can uh, do some good things, why would we? <laughs> and so, so I, I, I like that, you know, uh, call me a romantic then on, on that area. But so it's a, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of like Tony. I'm, I'm watching, I, I really like NFL football and all that, but uh, you know, I, I need to see some basketball pretty soon. So it, this is all, this is good. You know, and as you said earlier, Will, we fought the battle through the summer, buddy. I mean, uh, we, we went to the mat a couple of times. And uh, so, so pretty soon we're going to see actual basketball crappy as it will be in preseason. I, you know, I mean, that's like say the only thing I, I like better than summer league is preseason basketball because yeah. it's slightly better. Well, for, uh, for all our other road warriors out there uh, at the Kings Herald, I want to thank you guys for another episode. I want to thank everybody who listens, who uh, who contributes to our Patreon. It, it makes a massive difference. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Sacramento Electrical Supply, who uh, who is now a, a sponsor of this podcast. Uh, you guys uh, who listen to that make make all these things uh, make all these things possible. Make Jerry being here possible. Make Tony being here possible. So uh, just to wrap up the off season, thank you all so much for uh, for sticking with us through the off season, for asking wonderful questions, for. Uh, for giving really weird questions on top of it that we all have to answer. Those, uh, those don't go unnoticed either. And uh, we will see you guys in two weeks where we'll get to talk about not only uh, training camp, but at least two uh, preseason games. So from everyone at the Kings Herald, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. <laughs>